This last Wednesday was Ash Wednesday, and the beginning of the message is going to be kind of like a Lent 101. What is Lent? And the reason is because I've talked to several folks, and there are people who have, who's participated in Lent before? So quite a few of you. Good, good. Uh, I know there are those who, and if they're not here, hopefully they can ha- listen to the recording, um, don't know much about it. And so if you do know a lot, be patient because there's quite a few people who don't know a ton about it. And uh, yeah, I think we're going to, I think we're going to go there. Um, you know, Kyle, I forgot to put the code in for the clicker. I have to... Okay. Next slide. My bad. All right. So, um, thinking of Lent and what is Lent. I know there's a lot of folks that may say, well, Lent, that's a Catholic thing, or that's a liturgical thing, or whatever. They may say, I don't, I, it's, Lent's not in the Bible, so uh, I don't practice Lent. Has anyone ever heard something like that, or maybe even said something like that? I know I have in the past. Yeah, like, why? why? And my uh, statement back to that is simple. There's a lot of things we practice that aren't in the Bible. And so the question, I would ask the question is, is it... Uh, beneficial? Is it helpful for yourself and for others? And I'll admit that like I have been kind of sporadic with Lent in my days. Like there's some years I've done it. Uh, I went to a charismatic church that generally is free and doesn't, you know, do that kind of stuff. But our church did actually participate in Lent a lot of times. Um, So uh, most years, I think. So I don't know where you're at on the Lenten journey. If you're interested in it, if you're you know, intrigued, if you're like, I don't know, that's not the Bible. Um, this morning, let's just talk about the why behind it. Um, why this, why it's, why we have Lent or why there is Lent. And you can choose for yourself if you want to go on this journey. No one's going to make you go on the journey with uh, those who are participating. And it did start last Wednesday, which is why I had that, like, the Ash Wednesday um, thing. If you didn't start then, it's okay. Like, I don't think that the Lord is just waiting to smite you because you started Lent. You know, it's not in the Bible anyway, so he doesn't really care. I'm just kidding. (laughs) The end of the sermon. (laughs) Um, but that's not happening, right? So start to, well, I could say today, but we'll get there Sundays or days off. Um, but uh, a couple things. Um, one thing is as I thought about the Lenten season, I started thinking about American holidays. Ignore the dollar signs. I just wanted to show a picture of some American holidays. But I started thinking of if I did a poll, and I'm going to guess of what the most popular, most favoritist holiday is in this room, it'd be Christmas, right? I don't think it would be close. Am I wrong? St. Patrick's Day? Day? Well, well, what about, what if you're, what if you're giving up alcohol for Lent, then is it really that exciting, St. Patrick's Day? (laughs) It's not as good. Um, yeah, so I would say most people, I think, would say, you know, Christmas. And I, I've pondered that for some time, like why, you know, we get the decorations out and the music starts playing in October, you know, basically. And the, it's like we start really early. Uh, minimally, it's a month-long season after Thanksgiving where we're 
all excited and we have Christmas parties and we get gifts for our families and friends and all these kind of things. And I thought to myself, like, I think one of the reasons, I don't know if this is a chicken or egg kind of thing, why it's so long or why it's so popular, but it is a season, right? Like our other holidays, we don't really have seasons of them. So I don't know if, what I'm saying is I don't know if Christmas became a season because it was such a popular holiday or it's such a popular holiday because it is a season and everyone likes to get into the Christmas spirit, right? And get into that, you know, um, we don't have quite the same for like Independence Day, right? It's, we barbecue one day, maybe for some of you, but it's not like a season like that we're doing a lot of preparing for maybe a few days before we think about what delicious meats we're going to throw on the grill. Uh, maybe Thanksgiving, there's a little bit of a season of thankfulness, you know, but not really. And so I wanted to start there because I think very few, if we were to ask, would it say Easter? I, maybe, maybe somebody would. And that's a curious thing for us who believe in this king who was resurrected from the dead. I remember my mom would say that all the time and it irritated me. She's like, I don't know why Christians just don't, you know, love Easter more, you know, and stuff. And I'm like, I don't know, mom. I mean, you know. Um, but there is kind of some thought to that, right? Like, as Paul would say, um, if it wasn't for the resurrection, then your faith is useless, Right? It's great that Jesus came and we celebrate that during Christmas, Advent. Um, it's amazing. It's incredible. It's miraculous. Um, but if it had ended there, Paul would have said, eh, I, you guys are dead in your sins still. Like the point of, or the, the resurrection changed everything. It's birth, new creation, and things we'll talk about, uh, as Meg's already mentioned this morning. So one of the reasons that I personally find it advantageous, and I believe it's advantageous for the body, is it is a season of preparation for Easter. And there's a lot that goes into that, but it really does change Easter morning. And it's not just about Easter morning, but it does change when you've spent 40 days in repentance and in prayer and fasting and identifying with Jesus and some things that we're going to talk about. Um, it's a wonderful season. Also, I think that it is always advantageous for us to take seasons of our lives, I think I'll talk about that later, to reflect, to meditate, um, to think about kind of where we're at. Secondly, not only is it the season aspect, I love the aspect that a huge chunk of the body of Christ is participating in this. And that was one thing I remember when I first got opened up to more liturgical type things because I was kind of anti that. I've already talked about this. Every church has a liturgy, even if you're charismatic. You just, you have a set, pretty much every church does a set way of doing things. So what I mean by is recitation and seasons and things. And when one of my friends, I asked, why are you so into that? I think I've shared this before. He said, because I'm part of a huge body of Christ. And there's other people that are saying the same things and reciting the same things and participating in those. And so there's a big part of the body uh, that is participating the Catholic, Eastern Orthodox, and a lot of Protestants, and growing number of Protestants are participating in Lent. I find um, that a beautiful thing, that others are repenting and reflecting, um, fasting together as part of body, Christ's body. Next slide, please. Go ahead and go to the next slide. That's, I meant to put that up whenever I start talking about Easter. Okay, so... 
How long is Lent for those who don't know? I think most people probably do 40 or 46 days, depending on how you want to count it. The reason that it's 40 or 46 is because you take Sundays off. So it's resurrection celebration day. How can we be sad when we're celebrating the resurrected Lord? Isn't that a cool approach to Sunday though? Like that, I'd like if we took that approach sometimes, like, wow, that's, yeah, that's amazing. Um, so whatever you decide to give up fast, abstain from on Sunday, you're free to live it up. You know, you can just get so drunk on Sundays. It's just, just sloppy. I'm just kidding. Jokes, sorry for those who are offended by that. I could go and start talking about Fat Tuesday and the reason we have Mardi Gras and stuff, but I guess that's, we'll, we'll, that's leading up, right? You party it up right before Lent. That's the whole point of that, by the way, if you didn't know. Um, now I've really lost track. Okay, yes, 40 days. There's reasons behind that. Um, if you look through Scripture, and we'll talk about several of them, the number 40 is a pretty big deal. I would think, I, I believe that the, this, the passage about Jesus in the wilderness is probably the most connected with the 40 to Lent. And this was, again, before Jesus went on his mission or began his ministry, as some would say. I'm sure he did plenty of ministering before this, but before he was launched into his public ministry. Um, he spent 40 days and 40 nights in fasting and prayer. This season of Lent is identifying with this wilderness type of experience. This is one place where we are leading up to Easter. We're identifying with the fact that Jesus himself was tempted and tried. And as we talk about some of the practical things in a minute, this is why we fast. This is why we do things to um, identify with Christ in the wilderness. Um, yeah, and I'll talk about some of the others in a minute. Um, next slide, please. Not only does Jesus uh, spend 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness, why does he do that? Uh, one of the reasons is because he's identifying with Israel. And so when we think, and I'm bringing up a few of these things because during this time of Lent, having these things in the back of our minds, in the, in the front of our minds, I think is useful. Um, identifying with Jesus there, but also identifying with the people of Israel. And when we start thinking about the people of Israel and their wanderings in the desert, we can remind ourselves of the faithfulness of Christ, who, when he went through his 40 days and 40 nights, was faithful to the Lord. Israel struggled with that. But we can also hear echoes of themes of um, coming out of slavery, you know, like the Lord's power, the Lord's might of rescue, all these things in the back of the mind, because as Jesus shows up on the scene and we start talking about his kingdom and new creation and rescue, all these things are, are loud and clear, I think, whenever we begin to wrestle with uh, 40 and wrestle with the thought of Lent and that leading up to Easter and what God is doing. Next slide, please. Another piece to the 40 days and 40 nights is during this wilderness time, how long was Moses on the mountain? 40 days and 40 nights. He was on there. And what happened? God gave Moses the law. And when you read through the Gospels, particularly Matthew, it's very, very clear that Jesus has this uh, baptism, this wilderness experience, and then we see him up on a hill giving the new law, as you all talked about in Sunday school a little bit this morning, um, and sharing what it means to be in the kingdom, reading that kind of Sermon on the Mount and recognizing and so again, all these things are kind of in the back of the mind, or maybe again, the front of the mind, as we talk about Lent, 
It's 40 days. It's 40 days identifying with Jesus and identifying with Israel and recognizing that as God gave the law to the Israelites, God has brought a new law to us. And it's through Christ's resurrection that we get to participate in the kingdom. Man, I could talk about a lot of these things, but let's go to the next slide. I spent a decent amount of time this week looking up what to do during Lent. And it's all over the place, kind of. And the reason, not, it depends on what tradition you come from. So uh, Catholics do something different than Eastern Orthodox, uh, do different than Protestant churches. And uh, I don't mean different in like wildly different. I mean kind of in the nuances. But there is a thread that seems to kind of go throughout Lent, depending on whatever the tradition may be. I don't think we have anything stringent here that we haven't, you know, had a written out a rule of life for Lent or anything. Um, so we're, I'll talk about principles of important things that Lent is about. So this is very practical. So if you're like, okay, this sounds interesting, preparation for Easter, um, I'm interested in participating in this, what does it look like? So there's kind of three elements that kind of rise up to the surface. Oftentimes when we hear Lent, we just think of the middle and fast. That's what I think of. But there's other pieces that are important. So the first is is prayer. So as Megan talked about, a time of repentance, um, that's included in this. Like in this, a, a 40 days of us having intentional time of reflection, meditation, prayer to the Lord, repentance, and as we'll talk when we read the scriptures in light of God's kingdom coming repentance, um, I would encourage us to have something um, very intentional about prayer that changes. And, that, and that's part of what we're doing in this season. We're changing some things. Like It's not just like we're kind of, oh yeah, I'm sort of doing Lent. Like, um, so what, what might you do differently in your prayer life, in your prayer time? Maybe you don't have an intentional time of prayer each day. Maybe it's as simple as that, and you go, you know what, I'm going to get up 15 minutes earlier, and I'm going to spend 15 minutes. Maybe um, you, haven't, you don't have time where you're listening to the Lord, and you want to build that in. And every day, I'm going to have some time of sitting down or whatever listening. could be as simple as I'm turning the radio off in my car on the way to work, and I'm going to pray during that time. It could be specific things that you want to pray for, um, like this, something on my heart was a lot of people have illnesses as Ben. And so I said, this, this Lenten season, I am going to pray every day, uh, specifically for people that are dealing with, um, with illnesses that are, because it's awful. Um, but it's just intentionally spending time in that and in time of reflection. And again, I would say the word intentional because it's so easy to be like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And then we end up, you know, not really letting Lent be all that it can be uh, in our lives, which obviously affects other people's lives as well. Uh, Fasting. This is one of the first things that we think about. At least I think about whenever I um, think of Lent. And Lent originally, like there's this kind of, where did it start exactly? We know Constantine kind of instituted it. Um, But from my studies, when it originally was instituted, you fasted two meals a day, and you ate dinner for 40 days. That's pretty serious. 
they quickly found out that hard laborers could not do that very well <laughs> because you're out working in the fields or wherever you're at all day and you get a meal at night. And then, uh, so it changed into a two small meals a day thing. It has changed dramatically over the years. Um, and there is no hard, fast line. I mean, if you're Catholic like or Eastern Orthodox, there are like, hey, this is what we do as a group. But especially in Protestantism, there isn't a specific thing. There are groups that will not eat like red meat, and that's because it's a luxury, uh, has seen as a luxury. So we'll not eat meat, or we won't do that on Fridays, and instead we'll eat fish. Uh, I don't want to make some strong law and also use the word not only fast, but abstain. Because fasting has to do with eating usually and not eating at all usually or at all always in scripture, um, pretty much. Um, so can use those that type of words. But the point is to fast or abstain from something that is meaningful in your life is kind of what we the bare bones. So uh, for ex- for example, I don't care too much for sweets unless, or I'm not too tempted unless Mr. Ben makes a buttermilk pie. Then I'm like, oh man, uh, I do like them, but it's not like a great temptation. So if I say I'm giving up sweets for Lent, I'm not doing a great job identifying with the Lord and with the wider church in a season of repentance and reflection because that's kind of easy. And can I be honest with you? One of the first things I thought of was, what can I do that's like kind of, you know, a little, but it's not really that hard, you know? I, just being real. Um, and so I did some looking up stats. You know what the number one thing people give up for Lent is? St. Patrick's Day, alcohol. That's a tough one. That's a tough one for a lot of you. I know. <laughs> the second most popular thing is sweets. That sweets is something that a lot of people, uh, and that's, I get it. Like there's a lot of folks, like that's a, that's a big deal to say for this many days, I'm not eating anything sweet. Coffee is something that often is given up. Um, as of late, some people have kind of taken that principle and shifted it to not just food, but to like social media. That's something that has been. And the idea is like thinking of things that, um, that are very meaningful to you and or something that could be um, hindering your relationship with God or, you know, maybe it's not sin, but it's just something that you could probably get closer to the Lord if you had that out of your life, especially for a season. And so if you want to participate in that, I would just encourage you to, to, like, to think through that and recognize that um, you do do it for 40 days, you know, like it's, it's, uh, it's serious. Um, and it, but I think it's very good. The third thing is give. And something I don't always hear a ton about, or I hadn't in the past, but as I went through and listened to bishops and clergy and pastors, like they almost all said, "Give." Like this is a this is a, a this is a big part of it. Don't forget this. Don't just fast and not participate in the kingdom of what God wants to do. And this can be. Did I go out? Or am I good? Okay. Um, and this can be seen in a, a variety of different ways. It may. I feel like I'm like way lower. Is it fine out there? Okay. Oh, you're good. Okay, okay, cool. It's fine. I'm fine. I just want to make sure we're all good. Um, I just need my voice to be super loud. Y'all, I love to hear the sound of my own voice. Some people might say that, but I don't. This doesn't necessarily mean monetary giving, though it can. Um, It could be a season where you're thinking and praying through um, how to 
use your finances better and who to give to. It may be something as simple as you buy coffee for yourself every morning. Now I'm going to buy one for a coworker and I'm going to bring it in and I'm going to, you know, give that to them. I read this cool story of this lady who was an artist and she chose to do a new piece of art every day for 40 days unto the Lord. And I thought that's that's a lot of sacrifice. <laughs> I mean, unless she was just doing some scribbles, I don't think that was the case. Like she was like seriously like um, doing that. I mean, it could be also as simple as um, sending text messages to people in your life and just say, you know what, I'm going to encourage them or just say you, I'm praying for you or you're very meaningful, writing notes to someone. Um, this is a part that I've never really participated in and being very intentional in that during Lent personally, and I want to do that this year. So I've been praying through and I've started to do some things, which is cool. Um, but So you have the element of reflection and prayer, time with the Lord, the element of fasting, abstaining, and then that element of really the kind of participating in the kingdom. What am I going to do? And part of the reason is hopefully that some of this has actually becomes a habit. Like this becomes 40 days of writing notes to people and thinking of others. Like that becomes part of who you are. And then next Lent, you add something else and you grow from that. So, um, okay. So that's that. Uh, let's read some of the passages. Uh, actually, go to the next slide. I will say another thing that you can do is you could get a devotional uh, or follow along with the lectionary, which if you want to read, I know that a lot of us are reading, or a lot of, I'm not, a lot of y'all are reading through the Bible in a year, which I highly recommend. The only reason I didn't was because I was knee deep in two different serious studies and I knew that I couldn't actually give it the time that I needed to. But next year, if you do it again, I'll be there. Um, it is lectionary year B, if you want to know. So year B, they have, so this is going through Mark, is, and then a, a, among that with Psalms and different things like that. But lectionary year B, I love this um, N.T. Wright, but I love everything N.T. Wright writes pretty much. So it doesn't really matter. He has a Lent book. I downloaded it on Kindle. It was $9.99. Um, you can order it on Amazon. N.T. Wright did not ask me to say that or anything like that. Amazon isn't sponsoring me. I mean, if they gave me a lot of money, we could use it for good, right? I could just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you think there, you think there, are, uh, there have to be, right? There are preachers and pastors that probably, other people don't know about it, but tell people to buy things and they're getting kickbacks. Anyways, that's a super bunny trail. Um, but you can follow along. But again, I know that a lot of y'all are going with the Bible in a year, and it may be difficult to add something on top of that. Um, but if you want to, it, the passages are pretty dang short. It's, it's pretty short. Uh, next slide. Yeah. Let's read these. Can I have someone read some of these passages? I meant to like bring it up before church, and then I forgot. You know how that goes. Does someone want to read this passage for us? Thank you, Natalie. You can look it up on your phone, or if you can read that. There's four passages for this week, and we're going to read through them, and I'll make some small commentary, but that's about it. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, as for me, I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the domestic animals, and every animal of the earth with you as many as came out of the ark. 
I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, This is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the clouds, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh, and the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. Love it. When I think of this, the song, Beautiful Things that we sang this morning really comes to mind. Uh, I knew that we were singing it, and I love that reality because this is another 40, by the way, right? How this, before, prior to this passage, what happened? 40 days, 40 nights, the earth is flooded. This is, um, coming out of that, a sign of new creation. God starting all over again out of chaos, as the song seems, life begins to birth. And that is part of what we're thinking about in Lent and recognizing that Jesus was the first fruits from the dead, the first part of God's new creation project. And that as we surrender to him as king, like that's, we are part of that new creation. There it is, there's new creation, right? Um, and then we now wrestle with what does it mean to participate in making all things new? What does it mean to participate in this new creation project where God is redeeming and setting everything right? Uh, those are great questions that we should wrestle with during this Lenten season. Um, how am I participating? How can I participate? God is doing new things. And of course, we see here that a big part of that is uh, the fact that he is a God of faithfulness and covenant. Isn't that awesome? Uh, that we recognize that he initiated this wonderful covenant, this new covenant with us. Um, and we see in his desert time and throughout his life, Jesus' faithfulness to God and to covenant. Uh, even when we're not faithful, he's, he's still faithful. He's beautiful. Next passage, please. Someone want to read. Next slide. Yeah, thanks. Uh, Mark 1, 9 through 15. This is a little shorter. Kate. Right, you got the next one. And then be, well, I'll just pull it. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove upon him. And a voice came from the heavens, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness 40 days, tested by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. So we see elements of, first of all, what we've already just read in Genesis. Um, there was a baptism of the earth in Genesis. When 40 days and 40 nights, the earth was flooded with water, and out of that immersion came new life. 
And that's the language Paul uses when he speaks of baptism and the idea of us being immersed and us dying and us coming to new life. We see that Jesus uh, did the same. He participated in this. And when you hear things that God says, like, you are my son, the beloved, with who, with you I am well pleased, there's echoes of like Psalm 2 when he's talking about the kingly psalm and God says, you are my son and I will give the nations as your inheritance. I think Mark is showing us that, hey, there's something serious here that's happening. And then you read the section where he's in the wilderness and this is, again, what I mentioned before, part of what we're thinking, a big part of what we're thinking about uh, during this time and he was tempted and we are identifying with him and not totally fasting for 40 days, but we are t- putting aside something very meaningful to us. And then the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Uh, the idea of repentance is huge here. When you read these in context, when you hear John's message, I mean, Jesus' primary message is the kingdom of God, right? John's message is the kingdom of God. And as they begin to initiate it, they say, repent. And sometimes when we hear the word repent, we we, st- we still, like even in my head sometimes, it's like, I'm sorry, Lord. I'm uh, really sorry for doing something. But this idea is something is changing. Get, sh- get your stuff together. <laughs> it's kind of like, like the way, like, like the kingdom is coming, God's coming, and so things might need, the, the, there's something that's been dusty in my spiritual home or whatever, I need to dust that off. Like there are things that need to be that may need to be cleaned up, and that's part of what we're doing this season. Is we're taking time, y'all. Life goes a thousand miles an hour sometimes. Agree? Disagree? Um, I was thinking this morning when I thought about uh, Christmas. I was like, "Wow, that was almost two months ago." And in nine more months, we're going to be right back in the throes of Christmas again. It's crazy, isn't it? Like just to think about how fast things go by. And Lent gives us an opportunity to try to slow down a little bit, to spend that time, 40 days in reflection, meditation, uh, spend that time repenting, seeing what in my life, with the, with the reality that God came, that Jesus came to bring his kingdom near, to have his kingdom appear among us, to be here with us, and we get to participate, to ask ourselves, are we participating well? Or are there things, repent, that need to change in my life because I'm not really participating well? Hear Greg talk about the importance of caring for the poor, you know, this morning and going, man, am I doing that as well as I should? Like there's, am I doing that how Jesus would do that? Are we doing that? And again, not just internal, or sorry, individual, but as a corporate body, I think that that's really, really important. Uh, next slide. Did you read this? For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, in order to bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which also he went and made a proclamation to the spirits in prison, who in former times did not obey when God waited patiently in the days of Noah during the building of the ark in which a few, that is, eight lives were saved through water. And baptism, which this prefigured 
now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers made subject to him. All right, that's a, that's a serious passage that we could like have like weeks of discussion on, and so I'm not going to, we're not going to like, the, what do you mean he made proclamation like to the spirits? Like I, there's a lot of really cool thoughts and ideas of what that can and does mean, and, and then this is a passage where baptism doesn't save you. Yes, it does. Like people get in all these fights about it. Like it's so interesting what we find ourselves doing when we're not doing the work of the Lord, <laughs> what we argue about. <laughs> I'm just kidding. These are, I like to wrestle with things, but oftentimes that's it. Um, but the, 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 the idea of Noah and baptism, this is one of the reasons the lectionary put these together. Uh, how, how wonderful and how beautiful that is and how important that is to, again, recognize that new creation is happening. And, you know, if you have not participated in baptism, uh, I know I wish Chuck was here this morning. He loves it whenever we talk about baptism. Um, maybe during this Lenten season, it's a time to reflect and to participate and to obey Christ and, and uh, in this, to become new. Um, ah, it's so wonderful. And those of us who have participated, maybe it's a chance to reflect on that and to reflect on um, how we're doing as new creations, you know. Um, so wonderful. And then at the end here, uh, this last pass, the section here that says, who is gone, Jesus Christ, through the resurrection, which is what we're celebrating, who has gone into heaven. And this is a reality, y'all. He's gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers made subject to him. The thought of the kingdom, the thought of what Jesus instituted, uh, what he initiated, the realities of these the reality that he is seated at the right hand of the Father now. And we can wrestle with what does that mean for us and how do we participate in what he's doing now. I know that's a lot, but I think Lent brings up a lot of things for us to meditate on. I don't think we will have uh, go, hmm, I'm not sure what to do today. Uh, I think there's a lot to ponder and to, I hope, Encourage that we would talk about these things among ourselves. The Lord is sharing, stirring up, and asking each other some tough questions. We actually have coming some really cool art. Um, didn't get here on time. Um, Greg mentioned FedEx didn't get it here. If they were just specializing in shipping, maybe they would have got it here on time. That was a good joke, Greg. Um, should be here next week. Yeah. Tomorrow, okay. Um, so we're gonna have some pieces of art that are hopefully will make you think a little bit. You may like it, you may not, and that'd be cool to talk about, like why you do, why you don't. Uh, Lauren actually had found this guy and had sent him to us, Scott the Painter, right? Scott, well, I can't remember what his last name is, but that's what his Instagram is. Follow him on Instagram, he has really good stuff. Um, but yeah, I'm excited about incorporating art into this season as well. So as the worship team comes up, I'm going to read the last passage. Psalm 25. You can put it up on the screen if you want to. Uh, John, go to the next slide. Oh, Kyle sent me the code. Whoops, just got it, Kyle. <laughs> uh, I'm going to read this. I think it kind of 
puts thought, emotion to all of what we've been reading or talking about today. To you, O Lord, I lift my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Do not let me be put to shame. Do not let my enemies exalt over me. Do not let those who wait for you be put to shame. Let them be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. This is like a posture for us, a posture for Lent. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. Be mindful of your mercy, O Lord, and of your steadfast love. For they have been from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me. For your goodness' sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right. And he teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his decrees. Thank you, John.